and, and we'll do that coming up a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but coach, you know, never a doubt, right? 87-83 in overtime, the victory over Youngstown State. The Golden Grizzlies survive in advance, and we'll see you in Indy. How you doing, coach? I'm just glad we have, we're having this show. I don't think we were going to have one if we lost. So, uh, it's good to extend it one more week and be really nice to extend it another week. So I'm doing good tonight, Neil. Uh, I, I figured I figured you would be, but I mean, that that's front and center. Certainly it was it was a game for the ages. And I mean, that, that all around. And Rick, I did the broadcast with Rick Mahorn yesterday. And after we got off the air, he told me, he goes, that was as entertaining of, as a college game as I've seen in a long time. Just just the way it went back and forth, high-level point guard play, all of it, you know, the, the hustle factor that was going on. Uh, it was, it was, it was a great, great basketball game. Not for the Youngstown State fans, Coach, but great for you. Well, I think it was a great game for anybody that watched it. It's just the outcome, you know, is disappointing. And when you're a fan of the team that loses a game like that, you know, I, you go back and look at the little things that cost you and you look at, you know, play that didn't go your way where, and when you win it, you look at a guy taking six charges. You look at the big shots Rashad made that if we'd have lost the game, they still would have did done all those things, but you don't look at them. You know, it's just, it's fandom at its peak in March. And, you know, unfortunately for coaches, we're, we're judged and, and, you know, for Youngstown, they're going to remember the shot they didn't get at the end of the regulation. For us, we're going to remember the charge that pretty much put the game. You know, it's, that's just what makes college basketball so great. It's being played by 18 to 22-year-old kids that, you know, and at the mid-major level, the pressure is just unbelievable because every there's two things that every kid I've recruited ever wanted, and that's it. They say they want a degree. They say they want that. But the two things they want, they want to be pros and they want to play in the NCAA tournament. And that's consistent with every kid, uh, no matter what school they're at. So when you lose that chance to do it, it's devastating. And I think it's devastating as a fan to think what it's like for those players. And it's one of those things, Camp, where every single team in college basketball, there's only one that gets the, the, the outcome that they want every every single season ends in heartbreak except for one and you look at 300 plus 350 plus teams on the season only ends the way somebody wants to for one of them yeah and that's you know because if you get to the elite eight or the final four then you think you should win it all and and your fan base thinks you should win it all and 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 you you have that last game but again that's college basketball that's the greatness of the sport it's why the tournament is the single best event. You know, I know people would argue that the Super Bowl is more watched, but I, I don't know. You know, being a basketball guy, I probably, you know, I'm prejudiced towards the tournament. But I think the NCAA tournament is the single best sporting event at, 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 that we have in our nation. And, and, and those are the reasons why the emotions run so high. I mean, you've got people that, I mean, Last night was an unbelievable night in this league, and I ended up, you know, I haven't been asleep since the game, Neil, and when I got home last night, I, I watched all four games, um, and the emotion in all four of those games, and 
I can just imagine the fan bases of the, the four that won and the fan bases of the four that, that lost, you know, that just, you got, you got one of the best players in the history of the horizon league that won the league three straight times and, and player of the year in the league. And he's not going and he went as a freshman and I'm sure everybody's thinking, well, he's going to go a bunch of times and they go and they, he, they didn't win the regular season his freshman year, but they won the tournament. Now they go three straight years of winning or tying for the league title, and then he doesn't go. And I, I just can't imagine what that kid's feeling and, the, and those other kids on that team when, the, you know, two years in a row, they've looked like they could be a 12 or 13 seed. And so their fan base is probably, you know, but Milwaukee's fan base has got to be on top of the world. I mean, who comes back from 20 whatever down? I mean, it's just, it's just what makes this so great. More than twenty down with about five and a half minutes to go. Have you ever have you ever seen that camp? I've never seen oh, that. Oh yeah. Uh, now we had a game way back in the day, and it's where uh, when people say that football play that you run from out of bounds on the baseline, you know, where did that come from? We I invented that play based on a game like that. We had a twenty-three point lead with less than four to go, and we won in overtime. We couldn't get the ball in. And uh, so that's where that uh, football stuff came from so many years ago. Uh, you know, I mean, I, it happens to everybody. I don't care who you are. It happens to everybody. It happens to Duke. It happens to North Carolina. It happens to Oakland. It happens to everybody. This is the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Usually we will be live at RJ's Pub in Rochester, but, you I mean, obviously you guys know the story with that, so we're certainly working to get back there for next season. If you can support them, please do. Stop in, grab lunch, grab dinner, uh, get a carryout if, if that's what you're more comfortable with. However you do it, uh, make sure that you support Russ and everybody there. They've been, they've been a great friend of the program for a very long time, so you know, certainly we would like to support them. But the Golden Grizzlies moving on. They get the win over Youngstown State. In overtime, talking with head coach Greg Campy here in camp. I mean, you know, just just to kind of wrap this game up a little bit, it was, to me, you saw a very complete basketball game by your team in that everybody took a turn really taking over that basketball game. I mean, to, to start the game, Micah Parrish, the energy he brought from, from up top of the zone. We saw Dan Oladapo coming down the stretch take it over. Jalen Moore uh, really closed the thing out offensively. Rashad Williams brought you guys back single-handedly, put the team on his back. Trey Townsend took six charges, six charges. I mean, Camp, everybody took a turn running the show. And that's how you win at this time of the year. You've got you know, one guy can't do it. I mean, I guess one guy can kind of do it in a game, but if you're gonna if you're gonna win overtime, your everybody's got to step forward and make plays. And you know, we always say at this time of the year, players make plays. And uh, you go back and look at the the wins and the losses and the last second shots. And you know, usually at this time of the year, somebody that's a really good player doing the unbelievable, doing, you know, uh, grabbing a moment in time and just, you know, killing it, you know, and, and, and that's, that's what this is about. That's what tournament basketball is. And, and we played really good, but you know, what, what you got to talk about too is how well Youngstown played. I mean, we, we could have put them away and we couldn't, and it was a group of seniors on their team that were playing their last game and, and 
they didn't want to lose and they didn't want it to end. And uh, Covington kid, you know, had a career high of 30 points and made shots that I've never seen him make in all the years we've played against him and do it with confidence and, and as if he was supposed to do it. And, you know, we got we got fortunate that we, we got a stop on the last possession of regulation after leading the whole game. And and then we did something, you know, we played six overtime games, Neil, and we had, we'd lost four of the five going in the yesterday. And the one we won and turned the ball over and we didn't give up offensive rebounds. And, and yesterday in the overtime, we gave up one offensive rebound and we had one turnover. And that's it in the five minutes. And that's probably why we won the game. And you know, they turned it over quite a bit. And uh, we got two offensive rebounds for putbacks. So, you know, when you get down to one possession games, it usually comes down to the little things. And we were fortunate that they went our way. Yo, Camp, what, what about the chess match? And I know you don't like talking about this, but but I, I kind of found this intriguing watching the game when – Calhoun went to that, was it was like a 1-3-1 now that, that he hit you guys with coming down the stretch of that game, and, and that really seemed to cause you guys problems coming down the stretch. What what adjustment did you make to counteract that? And and you guys just kind of played cat and mouse all night long as far as matchups go. We got Rashad back in the game. Yeah, so that's, that's what I said on the broadcast, yeah. It was a really nice move on his part. To, you know, we got the lead at the 10. They were struggling, and uh, – I told him last night, I talked to him, you know, when he was in the bus on the way home, and I talked to him. I, I said, man, if, if Accuchet comes back next year, I, I wouldn't be afraid of playing that more often because that kid at 6'9", and as athletic as he is out on top, he caused us real trouble. I mean, Jalen Moore's pretty damn good, and he caused us real trouble out there. Now, we weren't ready for it. I hadn't seen it all year from him. And uh, it's not something we prep for. And they hit us. At, it was a great coaching move on his part. They hit us at the right time. Rashad was out of the game. We were getting a little, you know, we were on a run and getting comfortable. Oladapo was getting the ball in the pick and roll. And, uh, bam, they hit it with us. And, and we, we missed a shot. And then Dan found himself against a little point guard down on the block and, and fumbled it out of bounds, you know. And, um, and that was a huge play because they, they – they, came down and hit a three and then a two in transition, a three off the brick and a two off the the other one. And all of a sudden the 10 point game was five. And, you know, we did get Rashad back in though. And he, he knocked down two threes against it and they, and they got out of it. Yeah. And that was an interesting matchup. I thought too, with, with Akuche was, was out on top against Jalen and they went to that certainly in the overtime as well. And they, they were switching ball screens yeah. and we just, when we saw that, we put Jalen in the ball screen so that we, we got that matchup. Covington had four fouls, they, and he was their offensive star, so they didn't want to. They took Covington off him. You know, Jalen gets a lot of people in foul trouble, and they took Covington off him, which I, you had to. You couldn't right. afford – Covington was scoring for him, so you couldn't afford to lose him. And uh, they went. They wanted size on him, so they, they were switching the ball screen. And so we just we went to all ball screens because we wanted that matchup. Yeah, and you had the luxury of being able to repeat it too, repeat the action. If they were able to to overcome it, you could go right back to it, and that that seemed to be the the end right there. That that was where it closed it out. You had that ISO with with Akuche on on Jalen, and Jalen took advantage, and and that was the story, right? Well, that, that, there aren't many players in the league that can guard Jalen one on one, let alone six foot eight or nine guys. 
And uh, I think I don't blame the strategy on his part. I, he was kind of backed into a corner right. uh, with, with foul trouble in that late in the game. So we were just fortunate enough to be able to take advantage of it in the overtime. Right, right, exactly. So you guys moving on. Well, we know the opponent will be Northern Kentucky. Uh, certainly we'll, we'll get in depth on that. We'll have your questions with the hashtag AskCampy on Twitter as well. When we come back, I, I do want to talk about that, the, the matchup against Northern Kentucky. And, you know, it's it's unique. It's something you've never experienced in your career before as, as far as conference tournaments go. So, so we'll jump into that. Uh, certainly your questions as well. Uh, good night for the Horizon League nationally camp. I, I do want to talk about that with you too when we come back. So just the amount of exposure the Horizon League got. So we'll, we'll get to all of it. Certainly your questions. There's a ton of them. All that and more. You're listening to the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Special March Madness Edition. The Golden Grizzlies moving on. We will be going to Indianapolis, what, on Saturday camp? Is that, is that the game plan? Game Monday night? Head down to Indy on Saturday? Yeah, um... We took to we took today off, and hope. Um, my dog's going crazy. Sorry about that. It's March. We took today off, and uh, we'll go tomorrow and Friday, and then we'll get on the bus. And there's so many uh, protocols that are in for the COVID situation that we we have an assigned time that we have to arrive, and then we immediately go into quarantine. We test. And it's a PCR test, so that takes a while. So there'll be a five or six hour period where we all go into our rooms and have to stay into our rooms until the tests come back negative. Then once the tests are negative, we can resume activities, team activities, but there's a ton of restrictions just like there were during the course of the season on where you where you can eat. You know, I got buddies texting me saying, hey, I'm at St. Elmo's, I do, you know, and we can't do anything like that. We we can only carry out or eat in our room in the hotel or in our rooms on the bus. That's the only place we can eat or gather. We, we have no, the officials can't leave the hotels. The, you know, they are, it's a really, really big crackdown and they're doing it because, you know, the, we're, we're playing this tournament to get our represent, representative to the in-state tournament. And so we've, you know, what we don't want to have happen in our league is we don't want to have a, somebody test positive and a team gets a buy in the finals or even in the finals. You wake up on Tuesday morning and you've won the championship without playing. Nobody wants that. You know, nobody wants to be crowned a champion that you don't earn. And so we're all going to follow these COVID rules. We had a, an hour Zoom call today, the four, well, counting the women's teams, the eight teams that are going in their administration and the very strict port protocols. And we know what they are and we're going to follow them. So, you know, you're going to get there and you're going to have to stay in your room. You're not going to be able to go anywhere as it's been that way all year. Yeah, that's business as usual. I mean, for, for those that don't know, I mean, that's, that's the way it's been since since minute one of the back down in Xavier at Cincinnati. That that's the way it's all been. I mean, it doesn't matter. The good matter thing the about that, Neil, is Portillo's has a takeout window. 
Yes, they do. <laughs> they, they certainly can still. Uh, they certainly can still uh, get that to you, Kip. I did want to talk to you about what happened in the league uh, as a whole last night. Certainly, a, a lot of headlines were made. Let's touch on an issue though that happened. I know some of the people talked about it on Twitter during the game yesterday, late in the game. Uh, the offensive foul uh, that was called. You know the the block that was called initially. Uh, you know the, the the review of of the play, and I know doing the game with Rick Mahorn, uh, we you know we had talked about how the play, you know the call on the play got changed, which is is I guess a half truth uh, in that you know if you want to break down for everybody because the officials didn't come over and talk to us, so we we didn't know exactly what the story was, but they talked to you guys, so just kind of break all that down. Well, the officials are uh, our league and our people, and they really want the officials to go to the media and if you're watching the NSA tournament you know they go over and tell Jay Billish or they go over and tell whoever why they're at the monitor and you don't ever want misinformation out there and so I saw some things on Twitter today that you know how can they change a call you know that type of thing well they didn't change the call the block charge call the call was called a charge and it was that's not what they went to the monitor for. And it was a critical time. We had a one-point lead with a minute to go. And uh, the, the basket went in. So he was going to go to the foul line to go from down one to a two-point lead, or we were going to have the ball out of bounds. What you can do on a block charge call in the last two minutes of a game is you can check the monitor to see if the player was in the restricted circle. Uh, you can't do that in the other 38 minutes of the game, but with the game on the line and a call like that, which it was, the game was on the line. If they don't, if they, if that's our ball out of bounds, we get the ball. Camp's breaking up on me a little bit there. It's, it's, as far as our audio is going. Hold. We'll try to get Campy back. In a minute to go. Instead, we're going to get it right. So they want to you have me back on or not? Yeah, I got you, I got you back on now. I lost you, you at know? the beginning of that. Okay. All right, so what I was saying, I don't know what the last thing you heard, yeah. but you want to get it right. And that's why in the last two minutes, you can't take a charge in a restricted area. If any part of your body is in a restricted area, it has to be called a block. During the game, that's a judgment call. But with the game on the line, in that play, the game was on the line. We were either going to be up two with the ball or down one. And they got it right. Uh, Trey's, the back of Trey's foot was over the line, and he, you know, so a part of his body was in the restricted circle. So they changed the call from a charge to a block. They could never change a judgment call. They can't say and go and look, oh, he was moving. It's a bit, you know, I called it wrong. You, you, that's not part of the uh, way they do things. But you can look at a, at a monitor to see if he was in. And that's what that was all about. Yeah, and, and as you talked about, you know, certainly there there are some officials that are really great at that. There are others that don't come over all the time. But, hey, you know, it all worked out in the end. It's on video. They did get the call right. That's the most important thing, and, and, and everybody did move on. But, Camp, I, I did want to touch on – you know, just just the the madness, uh, you know, pun intended, the March Madness that happened in the Horizon League, and, and certainly, I, I'm sure if you're a fan of, of Oakland, you know the story. We had a three overtime game. 
We had another overtime game where Wright State lost, Detroit Northern Kentucky. The only game in the in the conference tournament that didn't go to overtime was won by a, by a tip-in at the buzzer. Um, Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter last night did a four-minute package, and he recapped every single game. It, it was a great night for the Horizon League and that just the exposure that they got nationally. And you want that. I mean, that, you want people talking about your league. You want recruits watching that. I received a lot of texts and things from, you know, young men that are recruitable athletes today. Uh, there was a lot of talk about what you're talking about and the, that Sports Center would spend, I mean, five minutes, you know, I have a degree in journalism, broadcast journalism, Neil, and, and I was taught in 1978 that the coming of Christ wouldn't get five minutes. <laughs> we got five minutes on the Horizon League last night, so you can't ask for anything better than that. And you can't ask for, you know, we talked about at the beginning of the show, more excitement than that. Um, if, I'm a, if I'm a fan of one of the four teams that lost, I, I could ask for more. I could wish that hadn't happened and my team won by 40. But this is college basketball played by kids, and um, what a night. I mean, just what an absolute night. I, I, I watched all four of those games, and I, I just I enjoyed it, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe the level of basketball that was played. I'll tell you, our game last night was a tremendous basketball game, not just for the excitement, but for the level of play. I mean, Bohannon was a man, and, you, you know, Trey took, Trey took six charges, I wouldn't want that guy hitting me once. No, no. But six times. And then seven, counting the one they overturned. And, and that guy, obviously all the charges weren't on him because he didn't get six fouls last night. But I think three to four of them were. Yeah, and there were a couple times, too, that there's one in particular that really stands out in my mind where Trey stuck. Nas Bohannon put his shoulder down and was going to the cup. And and that was he was doing that. There was no there was no ifs ands or buts about it. And Trey stood in there, and you could probably hear the oxygen leave his body when Nas made that contact with him in the chest. I mean, it, it was a. It, I think you put it well, Camp. It was a man's game down there. It was for men. Yeah, and the the, the physicality of the game. You know, we don't like that. We would rather have those things called because uh, Oladapo. You know, they really they our success against Youngstown and this year and in the past has been that we, you know, we score on the block a lot and uh, they did a great job of bodying him up, walking through him when he shot and it wasn't getting called. And I'm not saying negative. I'm saying it just wasn't. So some games that gets called, some games it doesn't. When it does, you got to do the same thing at the other end against the physical team. And, And we, we were very physical, and that wasn't called either. There were a lot of bodies hitting the ground last night with no calls. And as a coach, you you don't care as long as it's consistent. It's got to be called the same at both ends. And it was last night. It, it was a physical war. Um, there weren't a lot of free throws shot in the game, and no coaches were complaining about anything because it was consistent, and that's what you want go basketball game just some consistency you know camp were you surprised to the level of physicality that 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 your guys were able to go to yesterday because it, it, we know the book on Youngstown State we know the book on Nas Bohannon playing him for years I mean Oakland really seemed to take that 
to another level in terms of what what I've seen them do this year. You know, in terms of, of what I to stand in there to take those charges. Uh, rebounding was personal for Dan Oladapo yesterday. Uh, Zion Young out of the guard position. Uh, really grabbed a couple of key rebounds, and I'm talking about third effort rebounds too. You know the ones that get volleyballed around, and it's it's a it's a battle of wills. We saw that on multiple occasions. I mean, your guys, I think, physically went to another level yesterday. Well, we told them, and that was the game plan that you know this what Youngstown is. I I don't know if Youngstown or Wright State are the best offensive rebounding teams in our league, but they're damn close. You know, I I you could say it's one or the other. One could argue. But they're, both those teams are just tremendous at it. And you can't beat them unless you rebound. And we told our kids, we're going home on two things. One, they shoot a high field goal percentage. And two, they get offensive rebounds. If those two things happen, we're going home. And uh, so that was the game plan that we had to do. We had to guard them. And they got hot. I mean, our, we were really good defensively for the first 15 minutes of the game. And then Covington went off and, you know, he made some shots he doesn't make. They're a 30% three-point shooting team. And they were 7 of 15 at halftime. And they got them back in the game. They hit three in a row that got them back in the game from a double-digit deficit. But I thought both teams got a little tired. And you see that a lot with the emotion. And you short your bench during this time, um, you know, because one run can just change or end the game. And so you don't want to make a substitution and then bam, a run happens. And now you're mad at yourself for, you know, so it, it, it was a man's game and, and it, it was really, really well played. Yep. The Golden Grizzlies are moving on to Indy. We'll take our next break. When we come back, it's that time. Ask Campy on Twitter. If you've got a thought in your head right now, fire it off. Go to Twitter, attach a hashtag, ask Campy to it. We will get to it. We got a bevy. I haven't used the word bevy in a long time. we got a bevy of Ask Campy questions to get to. We'll get to them all. And, of course, we will uh, preview Northern Kentucky as well. A couple of teams that, that like to play the zone. We'll discuss that with Coach You know, as far as how they're going to attack it and all of those things. So action-packed last 30 minutes of the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Come back to the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Usually we're live at RJ's Pub in Rochester, and we're working to get back there. We'll see if we can work that out for next season. But now it is time for the world-famous Ask Campy segment of the Greg Campy Show. And, Coach, the first one I have for you, it's not a question. It was just a statement that somebody sent in. They said, Coach, as Barry Manilow would say, it looks like we made it to Indianapolis. So (laughs) going on the heels of, of last week's Barry Manilow Spectacular. Well, I'd like to write the song that we won the whole thing. So, And then have the whole world sing it? We'll see if we write the songs or not. <laughs> All right, so let's go here. Uh, our good friend MDFun89 wants to know, Camp, will you make an exception to a meal from Portillo's for an order of shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's? I've already talked about that with some people today, uh, friends of mine. Um you know, he asked me if we'd eat there, and I said, "I'm only the only thing I'm going to eat there is a shrimp cocktail. And I've just got to find if you can get it to go. If not, then we'll we'll pass on it because we're not going to be able to go in the place. So, but if they'll if they'll deliver it to my hotel room, oh, for sure. 
You gotta have, if you're in Indianapolis, you gotta have that. Yeah, that's just a must. It's like a cover charge to come into the city. I mean, you just you 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 make your peace with it, you get it, and you move on. You have to. Uh, James Squire with the hashtag Ask Campy Coach. How does it feel to have played maybe the least dramatic game of the night? But seriously, though, a good thing all four games were played at separate sites in terms of COVID, much as I normally would have preferred otherwise. What's your thoughts on that? Well, it's the only way we can do this safely. And the fact that we're even having a postseason is is remarkable, and a lot of people need to be congratulated from people at the league office to all the different athletic directors and all the COVID police on every campus and you know, there, there's so many people that have put so much time and effort into this that, and I'm, I get mad at a lot of things about the way we do things. Um, but when you step back from it and you realize that we played, we didn't play any makeup games. Um, and we play, and we played over 90% of the men's basketball games that were scheduled. Uh, you have to, you know, you got to pat somebody on the back, and it starts with the commissioner and all the way down through for all the hard work they did. Yeah, absolutely. Played ninety, you know, more than ninety percent of the the schedule games, and and you know, from a revenue standpoint, camp cashed every check that that was available as well. So, you know, th- those were those were big things for the department. There is no question about that. Uh, Matt from the Horizon Roundtable wants to know. Says I have two questions for you. Number one, who was the one that told you that Wright State had lost? And number two, Skip Townsend, the father of Trey Townsend, after the game was asked if he thought if he taught Trey to take those charges like that. <laughs> Skip said he thought he flopped. <laughs> what do you think? Were they blocks or charges on any of them? <laughs> well, first of all, after I did my post-game interview, when I was done, the uh, the girl that did the post-game interview with me said, "Oh, right," because I had said something. I guess we're going to play right state, and she goes, "Oh, right state got beat." So that's how I found out about it. I ran into Steve Waterfield when I was, you know, running into the locker room. And, and I looked at him, I said, is that true? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, you know, they had a 20-point lead in the second half and lost. So, you know, I, I that made me take pause. It just surprised me. So that's where I found that out. And then uh, as far as the Skip Townsend thing, you know, Skip, Skip probably that's all he ever did was flop. So he probably just figured that that's what his son learned from him. So uh, none of those were flops. I mean, if you watch him in slow motion, he got hit. And as we said earlier, you get hit by Bohannon a couple times and you come back for more, you either got to really like it or you got to understand how important this game was. And I think a freshman understood. We Six charges might have been more charged in that game, might have been more charges than our whole team took a year ago, you know. Right. And and, and, obviously, that's the difference where we are today. And looking at Skip Townsend, uh, he had to have flopped because nobody's knocking him over. It had to have been a flop. And he was a, he was a big boy when he played for me, too. I mean, <laughs> it, he he was uh, being uh, strong and ripped was never a problem for Skip. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Craig Hanford with the hashtag Ask Campy. Says camp. Do you plan to put some extra emphasis on on the shootarounds and the practices in Indianapolis since you didn't play there at all this season? Good luck next week. So, yeah, I mean, I would imagine that that is a, a fairly important uh, subject for you. Well, we've never played well in that building. Uh, you know, we've played two games in it the last two years, and we've lost to IUPUI both years in it. And in, in both those games, we shot very poorly. Uh, so. 
Now, last year, we weren't a real good shooting team, so maybe you can just, you know, put it off to that. But we're only going to get 50 minutes, and that's all uh, Northern Kentucky is going to get. We get 50 minutes on Saturday or Sunday, and we don't get any minutes on Monday because of the COVID and because, you know, the girls have a doubleheader during the, the day and we have a doubleheader at night. So we're only we're going to get 50 minutes, and all we're going to do in those 50 minutes is shoot. There's going to be nothing else but just get in there and shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is the tournament too. Like there there is a clock. You're not allowed to touch a basketball. The second you touch a basketball, the clock starts. Like this is for those that don't know, this is strictly enforced, so it's the same for everyone. Fifty minutes. That's all any team gets there. I don't believe Northern Kentucky played at I think they played IUPUI, but I thought it was at Northern Kentucky. And I was gonna look at that today, but um so I think we're we may be on the same uh in the same situation where they hadn't played there either. So, you know, our teams all knew though, there's only two or three guys back. So none, none of our guys have been there. All right, coach. We have some questions uh, from behind enemy lines as well. The Norse report, uh, NKU publication that, that they put out, which I'm a subscriber to actually, they do a very good job with the Norse report. I, if you're a horizon league fan, I would highly, highly recommend it. Says I know. What, Co- are, what are they doing on the show? I thought, Wednesday night was bowling night in Kentucky, man. Aren't they all at the lanes bowling? Or, well, or maybe they're closed down because of COVID. Or... Well, no, I, I think what they're doing, they'll probably just podcast it after. I'll, I'll get this oh, posted. Okay. You know? I, know that, I know they're not missing their bowling to come talk to me. <laughs> North... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's at Campy OU on Twitter, uh, at Neil Rule. Uh, does not need to confirm nor deny nor endorse uh, those comments by head coach Greg Campy. Those are they, they like me, Camp. Come on, man. They li- actually like me. So let's well, try to keep it that way. If it says, I know coach likes the Coney's from Skyline, but do you ever try any other entrees when you're at Skyline? Do you try a three way or a Cholito? This is groundbreaking stuff here, and we would really appreciate an answer to this important question. One of the greatest things that have ever happened to me in my coaching career is when I got to Northern Kentucky last year, there were six those little conies waiting for me. And don't think I didn't eat them. I'm sure people thought I might not. Oh, I ate them. I've never eaten before a game, but I did that night. Uh, yeah, you know, my son went to university. My son went to Cincinnati on a baseball scholarship, and he played baseball there for uh so I went down, and that's where I got to know the city a little bit, and that's how I found out about Skyline. And I'm not a huge fan of the cinnamon in the chili, but I'll tell you the chili mac, I like that best over the little dogs, although you can eat one of those little dogs in one bite, and you're really, you're really on top of your game. But um, I like the chili mac, and I'm, I'm not quite 100% sure if that's what they call it there, but... When I order it, I call it that, and they know what I'm talking about. And that's the spaghetti noodles with the chili on it, and the cheese, and the onion, and oh, I could, I could spend a lot of time eating that. <laughs> uh, Detroit, look at me, I did. <laughs> Detroit sports fan with the hashtag Ask Campy says, "What was your initial reaction when you heard about the other madness last night? Also, did you catch the end of that Fort Wayne Cleveland State game? And what were your thoughts on that?" And there was a follow up tweet to Matt from the Horizon table that says, "Please tag uh, Ask Campy in this. Do you believe in in fouling instead of allowing the team to potentially shoot the game tying three? Uh, I was I was doing our post game stuff while the game was being played. In fact, while I was uh, on the interview with you on the radio, I was looking over your shoulder. Somebody on our scores table had the game on a computer, but it was hard for me to 
see exactly what was happening. They were in a triple overtime then, so I didn't see the shot that they're talking about. I did watch it when I got home, and to be honest with you, we. I'm not a big fan of, of saying what somebody should have done, and I, I, I never criticized another coach in my life, and a lot of coaches don't foul and they win. And a lot of coaches do foul and they win. And you have to have a philosophy, believe in it. The kids have to understand your philosophy and you have to live by it. When you live by something, you die by it. Green Bay fouled us last year and we won the game. We went to the free throw line with two seconds to go, made, ran a little play, got the rebound and scored tight it, beat them and over. So it, either, it can go either way. Uh, me personally, I do believe that you foul if it's under five seconds. Uh, you know, six or seven seconds, it depends on how smart my team is. You know, and, and that's what I think fans have to understand is kids have a varying degree of intelligence. You know, there are players that have played for me that you can tell them something and they don't do it. And they can come out of a timeout and 30 seconds later, 15 seconds later, Oh, God, yeah, I should. You know, they, especially in a moment like that where the excitement and, the, and and that's why your timeouts are so important and that's why you've got to have their attention and you can't have nine, 19 people talking in a timeout and that because if you have a belief and you've got to get that through and across, I don't I don't know what tone, uh, what uh, uh, Fort Wayne's plan was. His plan might have been to foul. We don't know that. Um, and they just didn't. Or Al Eichelberger, who's made one three in his career, and it was, you know, shot only two all year, has the ball 30 feet from the basket. Do you really want to foul him? Well, who knows what they were thinking? And then the other thing is maybe they were supposed to foul, but by the time they ran there to get him, they couldn't because he shot it. You just don't know any of that stuff. And uh, unless the coach comes out and, and, you know, explains what happened, then you know. And then you can argue or you can tell him he's wrong or tell him how great he is or whatever fans do. But you really don't know what was said in that timeout. And you really don't know if what he wanted to get across got crossed. And don't tell me, well, a great coach always gets across what he wants because I don't care who you're talking You can talk about – John Wooden, and he didn't always get across what he wanted in a timeout, you know. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. Years ago, we were, we were playing a game, and I had a really good team. And we were up three with four seconds to go. And we threw the ball. They... They threw the ball in and go the length of court, and I had two timeouts. I used one, and I told our team, as soon as the ball gets across half court, I want you to foul, immediately foul. So there should be maybe one second left. We got a three-point lead. We, they go out. They see what we're doing. They call timeout. They come back, and I look at everybody, and I say, okay, we're not changing anything. I don't care what they do. Let them catch the ball. If you can run through and intercept it, do it. But if not, let them catch the ball. On the first dribble, you're going to foul across half court. 
And then as we were getting ready to go, I said, do not foul a shooter. Right? You want to tell him. I mean, if the guy catches and rises up to shoot instead of taking a dribble, don't foul him because then he gets three free throws. So don't foul a shooter. So we go out there. They throw it in. A very good player. This man catches the ball. The guy dribbles across half court, takes two more dribbles, pulls up, and as the horn goes off, makes a three to tie the game. And my boss wants to know why we didn't foul. Here's what the player said to me after the game. When I went to him, I said, Kelly, why did you know, I, you know me, my, my head was busting. Why didn't you foul? We, we had two timeouts, one dribble after half court, you're supposed to foul. He goes, yeah, but the last thing you said was don't foul a shooter. And I go, he wasn't shooting. He goes, well, and the scouting report, he's labeled a shooter. Ah. What, Kelly? You, he's a shooter. In the scouting report, he's a shooter, so you said don't foul a shooter. That's the, the disconnect that can happen. And that was two timeouts. So you can't sit there and judge what they did, whether it was right or wrong. The only thing you can find out is what the coach's philosophy is, listen to what he says. And then if it was executed the way he wanted it executed, then you can judge him. More questions with the hashtag AskCampy. Wesley V wants to know, says, Coach, you mentioned chatting with the Youngstown State coach after the game. How does that conversation get initiated? Has Coach ever been on the other end from an opposing coach after a tough tournament loss? Is that part of the coaching brotherhood? How, did, how does that work? Take us through that. Well, they're, they're, that's just part of the brotherhood, the friendship of the game. Um, he reached out to me because I won the game. I would not reach out to him for 24 to 48 hours. You know, I, I would I would let that go, and then I'd send him a text saying, you okay, or something like that. Um, but he was on the bus driving back, probably had watched the film and wanted to talk to somebody that, you know, we've lost a lot of those games. When you've coached 37 years, you've lost more of those games than you can remember. No, that's not true. You remember them all. Remember them all, yeah. <laughs> and they, you know, but you've lost so many of them, and your heart, you've been gutted so many times. That, uh, you know, so he, he's, you know, he tried to call me. I didn't see the call, and then I saw a text. So I called him back, and we, we had a 20, 15, 20-minute conversation about the game and about next year and the off. You know, it just, this is a brutal business. And if you don't have each other to rely on, you know, and, 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 you know, when you've coached for 37 years, you don't really have enemies. It's the young guys that have the enemies. I mean, you remember back to, you know, this is so, so apropos because of Coach Cheney just passed away. But Cheney and Calipari, man, they were going to kill each other. I mean, there was a press conference. I'll kill you. They, their careers ended as the best of friends because the older you get, you, you get over all that kind of stuff and you realize what you're really in it for. And, and you don't, you know, I'm not a threat to anybody. I, I don't want anybody's job. I don't, you know, I, I got all the rings I need. Now, do we want more? Yeah, but I don't, I don't feel like I have to get another ring to, to legitimize my job or anything like that. And young guys are doing that. I mean, they're trying to build, they're trying to get million dollar jobs. They're trying. So I'm not in that lifestyle. 
so I, I think I'm I'm a guy that talked to anybody and I think that you know this business really humbles you and I think I understand most of those situations so I'm probably a good person to talk to after that because everything that's happens happened to me and people want to know how you handle it all right, Camp. Last one here before we get into the Northern Kentucky discussion. A, a, a double bagger here from the Norse Report. They want to know. I was actually going to ask you uh, if you watched all the games, but I thought there was no way that that you could. But it turns out you did. And since you did, if you put yourself in the shoes of a fan for a second, which of the other three games last night were the most exciting to watch, and why? Well, I think that the the. Uh triple overtime game would probably take the cake just because there were three times to win or lose our game. There was twice to win or lose, I guess four times in a triple overtime game and our game there was twice. And then the Northern Kentucky game, I mean, <laughs> I've never seen a guy shoot three, three layups in less than a second and a half. I mean, that, that, that that's a play of a century right there. I mean, he caught it, missed it, caught it, got it back, missed it again, got it back and threw it in. Right. And, and I, how does that happen in, in, a, in you know, 1.5 seconds? It was just, it's a remarkable play by the young man to stick with it. And, you know, a lot of guys would have missed the first one and dumped their head thinking it was over. And that kid persevered. And I think the defenders around him were just like, don't want to foul. So they, they, you know, they just, everybody stopped and watched him. I, I, I honestly, I've, I've never seen anything like that before. I've seen a lot of things, three, three shots and, you know, I mean, holy cow. So that has to be, you know, I I mean, they all were at the, at the peak of excitement. Our game was as exciting as you could get. And and Squires is probably right. It was the least exciting of all. (laughs) I'll I'll give the Norse report people what they want camp, the right state one, you know, just, just given the whole, you know, being up by 20-plus with five minutes to go and, and Milwaukee coming from nowhere and, and all that stuff. And that's what the Norse Report really wanted you to say, I think. Because for those that don't know, the the Wright State, Northern Kentucky thing is the Detroit-Oakland thing down there. They don't like each other, period. Yeah, yeah, I, I know that. And uh, I, I think that, you know, I think that if you had to bet money as – you know, we're not allowed to do that. But if you had to put odds down and bet money on who would win the tournament, I think most people would have said Northern or uh, would have said Wright State, except the Northern Kentucky people, because right now they've got the blueprint for winning that tournament. Yeah. And until somebody takes it from them, it's, I mean, they've got the blueprint. This, this league, uh, the number one seed has not won this way one time in the in the eight years we've been in this. One time is the number one seed, and that's when they host. And uh, for Northern Kentucky, they got three championships, and they weren't number one. When they were number one, they got beat by the eight seed. Right. It's a screwy, screwy thing in this league. And but the the one thing that Northern Kentucky has is the blueprint, and their players really believe. They, this is their time, and until somebody takes it from them, you know, you got to look at them as a favorite. I said that last night. They're going, you know, they're they're a prohibitive favor against us, and uh, I think most people would have said that the most talented team was probably uh, Wright State. But what we found out in this league is it's very seldom does the most talented team win this tournament. 
Absolutely. Coach, let's turn our attention to the Northern Kentucky matchup here for the final seven-ish minutes of the show. And I'll, I'll wrap this into a hybrid with our final Ask Campy question. Comes from our good friend Pittsburgh Marty. Uh, it says, Coach, how do you attack this NKU zone? Um, you know, if you don't want to give away the game plan, just give me the cell phone number for Campy, and I'll give him a call, and he can tell me the strategy. <laughs> how do you attack it? Well, you know, Darren, Darren, who is a tremendous college basketball coach, and Northern Kentucky, you know, that was a hell of a hire. He's he's a proven commodity, and he's a really good person. And you cheer for people like that, you know. And uh, he brought this zone to Northern Kentucky, and he got it. it he got the zone from uh, Coach Willard, uh, the Seton Hall coach's father, who had coached that. I think it was William and Mary, and maybe Pittsburgh, and some places like that. It's really his zone, and. Uh, Coach has, has made it his own and tweaked it to fit his personnel, and it's a, it's it's a really good defense. Um, and what we you know we had not seen it, and last year the first time we played them was at our place, and we struggled to score against it. And and the, at their place, uh, we 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 played them, and it was a shootout, and both teams were scoring at will. And I think that we figured out that you got to run your man to man stuff against it. You run zone stuff against it, and you, and you probably are going to struggle like we did the first game. You beat a zone through the middle, and we don't have – Oakland, my team this year, does not to, – to beat a zone through the middle, you got to have a guy that can make the zone pay in the middle of the zone. And we really don't have that guy because that guy's got to be able to make – the hardest shot in college basketball is the 15-foot jump shot. It, it, it's if, if I could force the team to shoot – the same shot the whole game, I'd say you can shoot it from the elbows or the free throw line on your own, uncontested all game, and I'll probably beat you because you'll shoot it at about 35%. Hardest shot in the game. So you've got to be able to have a guy that can make plays out of that and also can, if they back off him, can make that jump shot. We really don't have that guy. I think Micah Parrish will be that guy someday, but right now in a game of this magnitude to throw it in there to him and expect it to win a game for us, I think it would be a mistake. So we've got to attack it using our man-to-man, our sets and our plays. And I think that's the way we scored a lot of points. Rashad had a big game against them last year. Uh, I think he had 30-some points. And it's all based on our man-to-man stuff. And I think we've got some good man-to-man stuff. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, certainly it will. And and we saw what happened, you know, when Youngstown State tried to go – you know, zone against you yesterday. Rashad really shook loose in the corners, and you know that that's that that's what it comes down to, right? I mean, when, when you play against the zone, the ability to make shots because you're going to get looks, you just have to convert them. It's, it's pretty basic stuff, isn't it? Well, yes, but their zone's a little different. It, it, it's a pretty cool zone. Um, it, it's got some principles that I'd like to learn more about. Uh, I did talk to, to Coach Willard uh, this year. Uh, you know, because we're playing zone and, and his son, Kevin, is a very close friend of mine. So I talked to him about the principles of the zone. And I'd like to try and incorporate some of those into our zone next year that that uh, Darren's using. And, you know, you'll see their players turn their back to the ball. You'll see them deny a pass. And all of a sudden, then they don't. I mean, it, it, it's got some nuances to it that I think are really, really unique. 
and it's easy to sit here and say, but it ain't, it ain't anything like like the Detroit zone or like, like the little zone that we saw from from uh, Youngstown last night. It, it's way more complicated. They play at every possession. They live and die with it. He used the comment once I heard him speaking about it. He called it smoke and mirrors. Made me chuckle because there ain't no smoke and mirrors about it. He knows what he's doing, man. He really knows what he's doing. And uh, they want to they want you to believe it's smoke and mirrors, but it ain't smoke and mirrors. Camp, what will that, if you guys come out victorious over Northern Kentucky, give me an idea what that stat sheet will look like. You're, you're good at this. I mean, projecting numbers and all those types of things. Give, give me the rundown of the stat sheet if, if you guys win. Well, from a defensive standpoint, they are hit or miss from the three. They're capable of going 18 for 30, and they're also capable of going 5 of 30. The problem when they go 5 of 30 is Adrian Nelson's got 25 rebounds or something like that, and they're shooting layups. And so we've got to get their misses. We have got to get their misses. And then we've got to take advantage of our size against their zone. We can't turn this into, I hope Rashad gets 30, I hope Jalen gets 25. And, and Zion's making threes. We can't turn it into, I hope we make shots. We've got to play from the rim out against their zone. Not the high post, but from the rim out. And that's a lot harder to do than it is to say. And uh, But you can't get caught up in this, you know, this, okay, it's his own. All right, we're going we're gonna to shoot 93s. We get caught up in that, we're going to get beat. We, we allow them to get going. Uh, Ahita or number one, whatever his name is, uh, you know, he really had a big game against us last year. He's shooting close to 50% from the three against our zone. If he gets his feet set, they'll beat us. We, even though they want to shoot to three and their numbers aren't great, 32 or 33% from the year, they, I mean, you, you watch their tape at Milwaukee. I mean, they were unbelievable at Milwaukee. They're capable. And the freshman they got is I think he's shooting 48% from the three. 49% from the three is last four games. And you watch him. He's taking deep ones. And we got to go get him. We can't let him set his feet and take them. And we got to make him play off the bounce, run him off the three-point line, and make him drive in there and make plays. They're capable of that. But in all honesty, Neil, we got to get the score as high as we can get it. The lower the score, the, the better chance for them to beat us. And that's, that's what it comes down to, Camp. Final uh, couple seconds of the show here. Here's the stakes, everybody. Going to Indianapolis, 80 minutes from the NCAA tournament. That's it, Camp. Yeah, but there's three other teams that are saying the same thing. You know, you got to go and, and you got to – you can't have a, a, a memory in this game. You've got to go play. A, there's going to be probably 65 to 70 possessions in the game Monday night. And – Every possession is important, and every possession leads to another possession, and you got to win the next possession. And if, if you don't have that mindset, you don't play that way, uh, we'll be on a bus on our way home later that night. You know, you've got to play a possession at a time, and you can't, you can't do anything but execute possession by possession. And I know that's coach speak, but that's what tournament plays about. And there's nobody better at it than Northern Kentucky right now. Check the resume, as I always like to say, but you'd like to alter that resume coming up. Uh, Coach, thank you, obviously, for your time, and, and let's let's do another one of these next week. 
How about that? Sure hope, sure hope we are, Neil. That would be something special for a team that started 0-9. Yeah, absolutely. Big thank you to all the questions on Twitter as well, even from the Northern Kentucky fans and the Norse Report and all those people. Appreciate that as well. Big thank you to Kevin McCann, too, for everything he does. Uh, he's been a rock on, on this as well. But we're coming. We want to come back next Wednesday, and I know Kevin's down for that. So, again, big thank you to everybody for listening. Thanks to Coach. Thanks to Kevin. And uh, we'll see you in Indy, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Well, see you later.